Welcome to the Financing Simplified Podcast with Anthony Venuto. If you're looking for answers to your financial questions, let Anthony and his network of friends and associates answer regular questions that regular people have about their money. Thanks for tuning in. It's time to start simplifying your finances. Welcome back once again to our Financing Simplified Podcast. I'm joined again with Santo Sessa from Team Sessa Real Estate. And if you haven't checked out our first uh, episode with Santo, I encourage you to go and check that out first. But we're going to get right into it right now. So, Santo, and the, we were talking a little bit about realtor stigma. We're talking about the Bank of Canada. And I think a lot of our viewers, a lot of the con- concern right now is around, uh, obviously, interest rates, the Bank of Canada, whether you're going to hike, hold, pause, what's going on. You know, we talked about the previous pause, like what happened with real estate as it picked back up. Are we going to see the same thing happening again if now the Bank of Canada is on the second consecutive pause, what do you think? Okay, so generally speaking, where the rates are now, and even if they go up a bit more, everything's trending down. Sales are trending down. A lot of that is just seasonal. They're supposed to be trending down at this time of the year. They happens every year. Prices are trending down. But a lot of that has to do with the higher interest rates. So generally speaking, the market is trending down. Prices are softer, sales are fewer, listings are trending down now also, sellers don't wanna sell when prices are this low, and then you have the other sellers that can't afford to keep their house anymore and they're coming onto the market. So you get like a whole, whole mix in the market right now. Let me ask you something about the Bank of Canada though. Go for it. So Bank of Canada's mandate is that their goal is to get inflation down to, we'll say approximately 2%, because I think if they even get to, to three and a half or four, they should be excited. But their, their goal is to get down to, to, to 2% inflation. So when they calculate inflation, because interest rates have been jumping up, the higher interest rate payments, does that calculate into inflation? Absolutely. Well, well, how does that make sense? We're increasing rates to bring inflation down, but now part of our calculation is the higher interest rate payment. So I, it's, it's a, like sucking and blowing at the same time. It, it, how does uh, that make sense to anybody? Okay, so I'm going to put on my Bank of Canada pretend hat for a moment okay. and sort of try to tackle this equation because it is it is multifaceted. I, I look at it from both ends of the equation. And when you look at the, the U.S. uses rent to calculate um, part of their expenditures when they look at inflation and housing. Here in Canada, we use mortgages. And to some regard, thankfully, because rent prices are actually even through the roof. Through the roof. Through so the it roof. would be even a lot, simply even put, worse. it would be even worse of a percentage of household uh, in, uh, costs when you look yeah. at CPI if we were to factor in rent and rent alone. The problem is is that for the bank of canada and they've come on they sort of had this conversation around if we were to remove mortgage interest costs from our calculations um you know then it's manipulative you could you know say if we take this out and play with that so there's so many different ways that they can you know play around with it as i would say you know maybe it's a bad saying but there's you know nine different ways to skin a cat but the inflationary problem is self-inflicting because as you pointed out the higher the interest rates go, the more of Canadian spending is going towards servicing their mortgages. Those right. interest payments are getting higher and higher. The Bank of Canada is going to say, well, that's monetary policy working 
as See, it's intended. It, I don't know. Does it make sense to the person on the ground? No, See, this so is Bank this of is Canada. The, Bank of Canada's whole mandate is to bring inflation down, and they're doing that by interesting by increasing interest rate. And the goal is, if we bring interest rates so high, people are going to buy less. But it's like, wait a minute, we don't want people to buy stuff. They're going to buy less, and some of them are going to lose their job. And Bank of Canada is like, yeah, that's what we need. We need people to lose their jobs. We need to to fix this economy. We need more people unemployed. Like, does that make sense to anybody? Why no. doesn't the government? And, and this, I, I look. I, I'm not a politician. This is. I'm just looking at it from just a, a layperson. Say, why don't they focus on increasing supply? And I'm not just talking about housing, but they want people to buy less stuff to bring prices down. Why don't they focus on how do we get more competition? Because Canada, whether anybody says it or not, is full of oligopolies. You can count the amount 100%. of supermarkets on one hand, and they control the Telecom, show. Telecom, banks, all the same. Gas. How, how is it within milli, millimeters of, of, you know, millicents, all the gas stations have the same price. You tell me they all have the same production feature. But nobody deals with that. Nobody deals with that. I believe with the government, I, I, I'm a type of person, I believe in less government intervention to the free market. Maybe you're going to get some slack on that, but competition is healthy. I think if we look at, and I'm not a politician, and obviously we hear what's happening right now on the political aisle of things with the Conservative Party fighting for RBC's takeover of HSBC. And obviously because of the competition, you're the first, the largest bank in Canada is gobbling up the seventh bank in Canada. So yeah. there's obviously a competition issue there. But I think it's, do, does the government have the ability to actually make these calls? Some will argue the government and the Bank of Canada are in bed. There should be two separate entities independent of each other to make their financial decisions. But here's the reality. We put a lot of pressure on the Bank of Canada. Rightfully so, there's a lot of mistakes that I believe they have made. But the government is single-handedly responsible for their spending. What they've done, with or without the aid of the Bank of Canada, if you want to go that route, they've spent billions of dollars. They've introduced billions on, of dollars. On what? Good question. I mean, listen, there's people in jail that got a SERP check. There's 15-year-old, 16-year-old kids that got SERP checks. The fact that you're printing all this money, it's inflationary. And could we agree on on one thing? And maybe maybe not agree, but does it really matter who's in charge? Don't they all all the governments they they all complain about the other one, but when they're in power, they all do the same thing. Yes, I agree. As, as I said, like when it comes to the political aisle, we always vote for the lesser of two evils, right? Um, we vote for the person that best suits your own personal interest. Yeah, right. Whether you're talking to someone who's a union worker who might choose to vote for a specific party versus a someone who's self-employed and wants to vote for uh, the party that's going to best suit their interests. At the end of the day, I agree. Yeah, we're all de dealing with the same concept. Well, I've had this conversation on multiple levels. Um, I like 
Pierre, what he's saying, how he's going out and, you know, talking about the problems that we're facing. Yeah, he's po- he's poking at, you know, Trudeau. He's doing his he's, job as the opposition. He's doing, he's, and he's doing a really good job to really showcase the faults, right? And if he does something different, if he was to be in power, if he was to do something different and actually do these things that he's accusing Trudeau of doing, like actually do better, he'd be one of the first in a long line of politicians. But... That you know, I don't. Maybe think, he's the Wayne Gretzky of the. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in the Bank of Canada, like. So I, I, part I of know. part of part of Pierre's plan is not to disband the Bank of Canada, but maybe to chop the head off of the Bank of Canada. But you know, Pierre was previously the housing minister under the Conservative government, right? So you know, there's this battle going on back and forth. I regardless to jump back onto the supply question because it just came out in the Bank of Canada's most recent press conference back on the 25th, where we had. Governor, uh, Deputy Governor Carolyn Rogers basically come out and say, we have a structural housing shortage in this country. Was that like a revelation to them? It, it, I don't know if it's a revelation to some. There's still this conversation around, we don't have a supply issue. Uh, I mean, if you do that, if you think that that's true, then give your head a shake. But the fact that it's coming out from the Bank of Canada, the fact that we have um, a shortage in homes, like the fact that you have... A new, potentially a new government that could come into power in 2025. This is what okay. I'm trying to get at. Will the new government be able to fix a problem that's I been 10, 20, 30 years in I the making? I don't, I, I don't see it. I mean, the, but the whole thing doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. You watch TV lately. I, I see commercials for Ontario. 1.5. We're going to build 1.5 million homes. And I'm thinking, who? First of all, is building it. You're going to get the builders to do it? They're not doing it unless they're making a profit. How? Where? And then, but wait a minute. You're going to build 1.5 million. And do you know a ton of builders have pulled their new projects off the table? Oh, absolutely. So is that 1.5 million net? Because there's a ton of new projects. So whatever shortage we have now, the fact that builders have pulled back, I see that shortage issue not getting better, getting worse. So the homes that should have been projects that should have started now are not going to start. In two, three, four years from now, these homes are not going to be there. And the government's talking about building more. It's just words. It's just a ton of words. Nothing happens. There's no shovels in the ground. And then they're saying, well, we're going to bring in more immigration because we need more workers to build all these homes. Yeah, that makes sense. But where are these people coming in going to live? Oh, that just... It's the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing. It just puts more pressure on housing. Now, whether you're renting or, or, or buying, owning, it's pressure on housing. It's just the whole thing doesn't make any sense. And I think if people think we're going to solve this housing shortage, they're wrong. And if it's about house pricing having to come down, which that could happen. Before it goes up and then comes down. But, you know, they come down. What does that mean? Who's buying? Lots of people are going to buy these homes. And then, boom, we have a... But you bring up a valid valid point. Like, like, so I want to share... Uh, we went to the committee, the community meeting where uh, Mr. Del Duca, Del Duca was there. Uh, oh my God, the mayor of Vaughan, 
Maravan, yeah. I couldn't, uh, for some reason, escape me. But we were there um, listening to what they had to say. And one of the questions that we, I, I got up and asked was, you know, how are we going to, how is Vaughn going to tackle this housing affordability concern, right? Each municipality has its own requirements. And I wasn't aware, but Vaughn, back in November when Ontario passed a lot of these, these changes, Vaughn actually became, um, I think, three units. You're allowed three units on... Not four? They're, they're pressing for four. They're making okay. the amendment to go to four. Toronto started. Mississauga's doing it. Yeah. Uh, Vaughn's going to be doing that also. Right. So he said, because there was a... You know what? And just to get on that on that NISBYism or NIMBYs, because when I was there listening to it, I thought it was like, yeah, who's really not... Who's putting their hand up against it? Literally, there's a lot of people that yeah. do not want these projects to be built. But these are, a lot of these are, am I get, and I'm going to guess who these people are, sellers don't want that in their community because it could bring down their home prices. Well, that's the, always the conversation. Everybody wants to talk about affordable housing, but nobody wants their house to be affordable. Yeah, they don't want it in their neighborhood. Right. And that's exactly what I was sort of looking at. I was listening to these and I'm like, okay, um, but... He, uh, the mayor had basically come out and said that since the plan had gone to three to, to rezone, they've had one inquiry, just one. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? You think, you would think yeah. that there would be this huge push to start building more purpose-built rental units, more mixed use. Because I'm going to be honest, we have a lot of condos. And there's more coming, way more. Way more down More than we have now. Exactly. But here's, here's the question. We talked about immigration. We talked about supply, right? So we talked about the, what type of units? I think there's a cultural situation arising right now because if we think about who's coming into Canada, what their cultural beliefs are when it comes to family formations. You know, here in Canada, a lot of people put their hand up and said, we can't afford to have another kid. We can't afford to have more than one or two kids because... Where are we get? I means I have to move out of my house. I can't afford to move. I can't afford to yeah. sell. But these individuals that are coming, they're having, you know, maybe they're having families that are three, four, five kids. Can yeah. they fit in a condo? Are they going to be able to look? Well, they, the, they got to buy two or three condos. Next to each other, but blow out the walls? <laughs> like a hotel, you got that, that door connecting them. And it's just, it's just this whole conversation. I believe, and you know, it's all smoke and mirrors when it comes to the government, when it comes to all their objectives. We, we have a liberal government that, as I said, they've done a good job with bringing the GST, cutting that GST on purpose-built rentals. They're bringing the housing accelerator fund. building purpose-built rentals? Well, I had a guest on the show, the, Nick. He was talking about that. They're actually building one. But good. that project was already started before this incentive or initiative sort of was sort of put in, at least from what I gather, right? Uh, but who? what about the end users? What about what's going to happen with these purpose-built rentals? Uh, down the road, how many builders are going to jump on board when financing costs, even though there's a lot of incentives for them, but they have to come up with the capital. They got to, just like you and I, they got to finance these projects. 100% they do. And it costs way more now to finance us. And I don't know about you, like builders are probably doing way more budgeting than we are when we're looking at our home budgets yeah. and saying, can we afford to make this move? Can and, we afford? And it's not just the financing costs. Material costs have gone way up. Labor costs have gone way up. I mean, everybody that's working on these construction sites, everybody wants more money. It's not just teachers and, and policemen. and uh, 
everybody. Everybody wants more money, so everybody's going to fight for more money, and it's their right to do that. But yeah. then everybody complains that houses cost too much. <laughs> so it's a, you it's know, a lose, it's lose. Like, like and and you know, prices got to come down. But houses cost more to build today than they did a while back. How like I don't know. I just I always find myself stumbling in words when I start thinking. You know, it's like okay, more immigration's coming. Great, we got more people to build these houses. But wait a minute, they got to live somewhere now. So we have a shortage now. And builders have pulled back. So the shortage is just going to continue for many more years. And government's got all these fancy advertising and fancy speeches about building, building, building. But nothing is getting built. Nobody's building anything. And nope. it's like, man, I just, I just see the problem getting worse and worse and worse. And then you got Bank of Canada increasing rates. And you, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't see, and, and, and then there's the other thing. Sorry, I just wanted to no, say, no. when we talk about prices, to me as a realtor, the only prices that really matter are in the GTA. What difference does it make what's going on in Calgary, the Maritimes? Toronto is, or the GTA, it's its own heartbeat. We've seen it before. The rest of Canada is going downhill in prices and Toronto keeps going up. And I know, it's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's people out there thinking that prices are going to be going way down, way till people start walking away from their homes. Default rates are still low. Yeah, you I know. Mean, uh, look, I believe a few things in this conversation. There's a lot of facets that you're bringing up, and my brain's going a million miles, miles a minute. I don't have right. answers to any of this stuff. But the, 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 I beauty, really don't. the beauty is that we, we, we can't have answers, so we can just have an open and honest conversation, not be judgmental on each person's perspective. Because, yes, we are in this industry, we're in the financing and the real estate industry. So, obviously, people are going to be like, oh, well, that's you guys. You guys are in, you know, boohoo on you guys, right? But no, it's not about that. It's about we're honestly trying to put our best foot forward. And have a conversation and say exactly what you said. We look at the financing cost for the builder, the cost for the employee, the cost for the material. You mentioned earlier the inability or the cost is pushing builders to sideline their own projects, further kicking the affordability can down the road and the inventory can down the road. It actually makes we're, it worse. We're going to be talking about this for the next <laughs> 10 years. As I said, even if a new politician comes into power, they can have all the incentives in the world. I get it. Like, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to... Okay. But at the end of the day, it's the builder who's going to have to fork out the cash to start that project. the builder to do that? And this is not a, 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 a pro-builder conversation. It's just reality. The builder is the one who's going to build a the homes. A builder wants to build. That's their job. They have a, one, a, no, a no. mortgage broker. Can I add something to that? Yeah. A builder wants to build... At a profit. Absolutely. Not for fun. They're, no. they're an independent business. Absolutely. It's like we all want to do our job. Every goal of a business is to make a profit. Like if somebody's supposed to turn around and say to you, oh, these builders, they're making too much money. Well, they're also putting up, as our guest that said, you know, and if you agree or disagree with it, they also have to put up the capital. They're the ones taking the risk. Yeah. Right. And we see what's happening right now. We've heard about the condo market in Toronto, sort of some of these units that paper flippers have bought and they can't close. Yeah. There's a lot of bad shit that's going lots. down. There's lots. lots of 
But at the end of the day, the government, the intervention of the government is, I believe, all smoke and mirrors. Because here's the reality. They gave what? I think something like uh, in the London, the Home Accelerator Fund gave, I think, 70 or something million dollars to London to build these homes. How many? 2,000 homes. Okay? Okay. Do the math. That money divided by 2,000 homes is like 40, 39 grand or something like that. Something, that's enough to pour the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Vaughn's fighting for $59 million. Do you think Vaughn, and I'm talking about Vaughn here in, 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 in generalities, I mean, they're looking for $59 million. For what? What are they going to do with that? How's that going to make a difference to affordability? But this is, this is the conversation from someone who sees the reality. Right, you know, like the Matrix, the red blue pill. Like yeah. you're you're looking at it, going, oh, but they're they're gonna do something. Like there's so many people that are standing there, going, yeah, they're gonna build all these homes. When? How? Like That's go to a. I encourage I encourage people to go to. When we there was not many people at these committee meetings, but no. go to your committee meetings in your local wards and in your communities and talk to your members of parliament. See exactly what's there. But they've lost faith. They've, it's, no, they've I, lost I, faith in them. No, but everybody's a keyboard warrior. I use yeah. this term. Everybody's like online. Oh, you know, like people are talking about security and safety in Vaughn. Blah, blah, blah. There's like millions of comments on certain social media profiles. And they're all experts. They're all experts, but nobody shows up at the meeting when the mayor's there, the police are there having a conversation. Where are you to be at? Yeah, I agree. So this conversation has opened up my mind that I'm not alone in this conversation about thinking about all these things. And having a real honest perception or objection to what's happening. How does that work for you, Santo? Because let's let's use that because you're knowledgeable. You're, you're talking about this. You're asking the right questions. What questions should individuals be asking a realtor? What types of, you know, interviews? What type of... Um, you're okay. asking me how should somebody pick a realtor? That's exactly the question okay. I should be asking. How does somebody pick a realtor? Great question. So we, we talked about how many, there's lots of bad apples out there, realtors giving a bad name to everybody. There's a ton of great realtors out there. And it starts with, I guess, and I can only speak kind of from my perspective, and I know there's lots of realtors that look at it the way I do. Our job is not to convince somebody to buy or sell. Our job is not to just send somebody listings. You don't need a realtor to send somebody listings, especially these days with all the property search sites. Many times my clients are sending me listings before I even see it. A realtor's job is a consultant. That's their job. It's to consult and give advice and talk about experience and, and, and help buyers or sellers see the potential pitfalls for one action versus another. At the end of the day, it's the seller's decision if they want to sell, but we can give them the pros and cons of selling now, waiting now, at this price, at a different price. We're consultants, and many realtors don't see their role as a consultant. So I would suggest interview your realtor. Actually speak with them and say, what can I expect from you? What, can you ex what should you expect from me? And the realtor should have the position of being a consultant, not a salesperson. Awesome. Santo, I couldn't agree with you more on the 
process of interviewing them as a consultant. The same works with our industry. I was going to say, you're, we, you're... we are consulting. We're, we're, as I said, we work for the client. There's multiple products. We're consulting them on the way that they it's need. It's not about here. We're not Sign here, press hard. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And with that being said, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, find out some more information about property hiring a proper realtor, where can they find you? You find us anywhere online. If you go to Team Sessa Real Estate, we're on YouTube, we're on social media. You'll find us there. Um, what, what else do you need? YouTube. On the YouTube. Uh, uh, Team I, Sessa Real Estate. You'll see Anthony there on Fridays. He's got his show on our channel. Awesome, awesome. And obviously you can find us on all our social media platforms at In Touch Mortgages. We're on Twitter, on X, and all this other stuff. So thanks again for clicking on this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Santo, thank you very much for coming. My pleasure. Have a great one. We'll see you next time. Thank, yeah. thank you.